This is Dream Big with Dina Budano. I'm creating this podcast to give us a space to bring all your ideas to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another podcast with Dream Big with Dina Budano. And I'm so excited for my guest today. I met her um, through the whole crazy COVID time, but her name is Jenny Lee Thompson. So Jenny, go ahead and let everybody know who you are and what you do. Yeah. Hey, hi, everyone. Um, this, my name is Jenny. Um, I am the owner of Cycle Bar South Hill here in Spokane. And we are, yeah, <laughs> and we are an indoor cycling studio um, up on South Hill. We do strictly indoor cycling. Um but um, I like to think that we kind of elevate the indoor cycling experience. So um, yeah, we've, we've got a great little community that we've built so far in the four months that we've been open. And um, yeah, sure, we're going to talk about it a lot. So I'll, I'll save that for the questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I am a Cycle Bar member and I love, love, love <laughs> it. But I remember meeting you was just seeing your videos going live, you know, back in October, I think is when you were starting to really promote and, you know, just the shutdown, the startup, like all the things I just was like, this, this gal really impresses me so much with everything you went through. Oh, God, thank you so much. Yeah, it was tough. It was was tough for sure. So, but we're here we are. So that's fine. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just start asking my questions. Um, I love, this is a new question that I just started, and I think a lot of people enjoy this question. But what did you dream about being as a young child? Yes, um, I, <laughs> I have. I looked at all your questions before we talked, too. So I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Memory lane. Um, I, when I was young, I... I wanted to, I actually wanted to be a marine biologist. I was obsessed with killer whales and I thought they were the coolest thing ever. And I just remember for the longest time, you know, growing up, especially in elementary school, when you heard that it was like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said marine biologist because I was, I don't know where this obsession came from, but I just, that was like my favorite animal. Um, and so that's what I wanted to do and, um, study them, you know, animal psychology type stuff, um, marine biology. Um, I don't know what happened to that dream. It kind of, I guess it just fizzled out. Um, but then I feel like whenever one fizzles out, you always kind of replace it with another one. And so, um, as I got older and you're, you know, you're thinking about, you know, when you're in middle school and high school and you're thinking about those next steps. So, you know, middle school, you're dreaming about high school, high school, you're dreaming about college, college, you're dreaming about, you know, when you're an adult and, um, you know, when I hit those middle school years. Um, I got really into thinking about becoming a firefighter mm-hmm. and that was always in the back of my mind. Um, I kept quiet about that though. Um, I didn't really talk about that a whole lot. And then I just got really involved in my sport that I played in high school, in college. And that was like my full focus. And then my dream kind of shifted into, um, you know, I want to be, you know, this is 
oh my gosh, I never didn't expect to go down this road. Um, I was a big water polo player. Oh, I had this huge dream of being on the Olympic team and um, played collegiate water polo for a year at a division one school in California. Um, didn't have the greatest experience. Um, I thought California was going to be my dream place and it just wasn't. And so, um, you know, in a little bit of burnout when it came to my sport, um, just kind of happening at really kind of a, 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 a discouraging time, you know, as you're entering college and, you, you know, you go for a sport, you go to a particular university to play a sport and then you find out that, like, it's not filling your cup as much as it used to. Um, so that was a little discouraging, but like, you know, like I said, you just kind of, you know, you come to terms with your reality and what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And then you just kind of, um, reassess and adjust and adapt to something new. That firefighting thing was always in the back of my mind. Um, and so I went through my twenties. I went, I, you know, I finished uh, undergrad. I went to grad school, um, transitioned into, I was, a therapist for many years, um, mental health therapy. And, um, I had a great mentor. I thought he was just the coolest guy ever. And he was a mental health therapist. And so that's why I went into that field. Um, obviously wanting to help, um, women, young women in particular, um, just, you know, the mental, the mental health stuff, the body image issues, stuff that we have as we, as we age and get older, you know, it, it starts at an early age and, you know, you you see it everywhere. It's just thrown in your face. Right. And so I really wanted to help with depression and anxiety and, you know, any other kind of mental disorders that came um, specifically working with women, helping them through those and um, through movement. And so I've always been involved in fitness. Um, that firefighting thing was always nagging in the back of my mind. And I took the leap into firefighting in my early thirties. So um, yeah, I don't know. That was, I, I've always dreamed, I guess, to answer your question, to answer that question. Like it's always, I've always dreamed about what I want to be. I've always had a wonderful opportunity and I've been blessed to always kind of chase after those dreams. Um, sometimes they come to fruition in a great way and sometimes they don't. And it's, um, but at the same time, like I said, you just, you just adjust, like you just, you're living through life and you, you get the opportunity to make choices and pivot and, go different directions and so um you know your dreams change and you adapt and move along with it so um yeah lots of cool I've done a lot of cool things so um, yeah, yeah it's been kind of nuts it's been really nuts actually so um yeah that was a fun question <laughs> I don't know if I, if I have any like end point to that answer but like that was a fun question I like that it's fun to remember what you dreamed of when you were a kid I, I really love, too, how your journey has taken you to, and I love how those puzzle pieces come together, and, you know, just the, I love knowing about the mental health part, because it is really a big part of what you do today with Cyclor. Like, I felt that from the moment I walked in the door, I did not feel judged. I felt welcome and included. And, you know, just there wasn't like just some certain ideal body type there present. It felt yeah. so inclusive. And that's, I think, part of, you know, me telling you about crying on the bike. 
Right. It just we've all done it. It It just felt so like the space felt so um healing and like I want I I love to ride my bike when I was a kid and love to ride my bike even in college and as a you know just all my life I've loved to be on a bike and so my body was just so happy in the in that moment that you know we found it it found a place a space so I love I love your journey and how it took you and even you know just the the years of being um, training as an athlete. I mean, that serves you now too, to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just so cool. So thanks for sharing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us how you got started in, in, you know, the cycling industry. How did you find yourself? Yeah. In the cycle bar? Yeah. So when I was done playing collegiate water polo after my first year of college, um, you know, you kind of have that crisis of like, okay, my sport was my whole life. Um, my whole goal was to get a scholarship and I did that. And now it's, it's not working out. What do I do next? What, you know, what do I do next school wise? What do I do next work wise? What do I do next workout wise? Like I've been swimming and playing water polo for 10 years and it's, it was all consuming. So it's like, what's going to be my next thing that I do? Um, you know, I didn't want to swim anymore. Um, I was done being in the pool for hours on end. And so I, that summer, that first summer home after being away, I went to the local 24 hour fitness. It was a mile down the street from my parents' house. And so I got a membership there. Um, and I was running on a treadmill, which I hate, but I was like, you know, you just kind of did what you had to do right it was just like well in my brain it was this or nothing or this or you know whatever I got to do something and so I was running on the treadmill and this sweet old like he was probably my dad's age and so he was probably um so that would have been like upper 40s early 50s and he was the nicest guy super kind very unassuming like it wasn't like he wasn't the kind of guy that was like hey you should come to my cycle class well I'm hot stuff right it was like he walked up I was running on the treadmill he goes this looks absolutely horrible why don't you come take my cycle class right now and you're gonna have way more fun and you know something along those lines I don't remember exactly what it was his name was Greg that his name just popped in my head just the sweetest sweetest gentleman his wife was in the class there taking it um taking his class and she was always in his class every night and they were just the sweetest couple and I took the class and I was like oh my gosh this is so much fun and it was before we were in you know cycle bar you're in a dark theater loud music the mood lighting like we were literally just we wheeled our bikes out onto the floor you were like in a fishbowl with bright lights Um, You know, at the time the music was loud because it was in like loudspeakers, of course, but like it wasn't anything like the technology is today. But um, I just had so much fun because it still was that rhythm based exercising um, that I really enjoy. And um, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to become an instructor. And so that summer I got certified to teach 
And then I taught at, so I transferred to Washington State University to finish out my schooling. Um, so I taught there at the rec center. And then when I was home for the summers, I would teach throughout. I grew up on the west side of Washington. So I would teach all through King County at the 24-hour fitnesses. And I just loved it. Um, I liked the workout. It was low to no impact. Anybody could do it. Um, not going to lie, having a microphone on your face and being kind of this entertainer for 45 minutes to an hour is really fun. Um, you know, <laughs> speaks to me quite a bit. I don't know. It's kind of, you say stupid things all the time, but you're just like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like we're just here for a good time. Um, and so I did that for about 14 years. Um, you know, what's great about teaching group fitness is it's a great supplement to what you're already doing with your career and your job. Um, and so you plug it in where it works for you, um, as an instructor. And so, um, you know, I did the group, the group, um, cycling classes. I did body pump. Um, there was a class called turbo fire that I did. Um, I just did a bunch of different things, but cycling was always my favorite. Um, and so did that for 14 years and then took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, and then, um, gosh, what year would that be? I could get really specific about years, but I'll try to keep it pretty generic, broad overview. Um, so when my husband and I were living in, um, central Oregon, a cycle bar opened in Bend, Oregon. And so we were living in sisters, which is about 35 minutes outside of Bend and Cycle Bar opened up there. I actually saw a posting that they were looking for cycle stars. So those are instructors. Um, they were looking for cycle stars. Um, it was just in a random Facebook group. I think it was like a Pacific Northwest women's outdoor group. And um, I saw a posting for it. And so I answered it. I auditioned, went through boot camp. I was their lead instructor when they opened. And just that whole experience. Um, even before the studio had opened, I just had the, the owners were wonderful. They had great, you know, their, their character was great. Their personalities were great. They lived the brand, what it's all about. And I just thought I need to have one of these. Like I need, I need one of my own. Um, how do I make this happen? And so even before they had opened their studio, I was like searching into the franchise and what it takes to own a franchise and, you know, how much does it cost? What's, what's the timeline? What does it look like? And then, um, so that was about four years ago when that, when the seed got planted. Um, and so, um, I did the lead instructor stuff and then, um, yeah. And then, um, got really serious about wanting to open a franchise. My husband and I had been looking, um, as well as my dad and my brother into like a franchise model that, that we liked a brand that we liked and would like to invest in. And so um, we had been looking, we did the whole like mod pizza route. That was super expensive. We looked into tutoring. Um, passion wasn't really there. And then eventually I was just like, well, what about cycle bar? I just, you know, I'm teaching there. Like, you know, I'm in, there's already one in Bend, but maybe we look and see what other territories are available. And so um, we looked into it. We, um, we were going to originally actually open in Bozeman, Montana. 
Um, yeah, we we're going to go to Bozeman and then work our way over to Spokane and kind of just have the I-90 corridor. And so um, Bozeman was really expensive. Bozeman had almost no retail available, retail spaces available to actually open. And so we had our, our franchise rights were actually in Bozeman when we first got the franchise. Um, but then we quick, quickly realized retail was going to be really hard to come by. It was very expensive. And there was actually already a local studio that was in town. And Bozeman only has about 48,000 people. And so there's already a local studio. When we first inquired about Bozeman, their marketing strategy wasn't really super. It wasn't great. It really wasn't even there. And then in those few months that it took to research and try to find retail space, they must have hired a marketing person because their social media went through the roof. Um, they just had a bigger social media presence. Their digital marketing presence went from nothing to everything. And so they started to really kind of really kill it over there. And so um, we had this realization that they were, they were kind of getting the easy apples, as we like to say, you know, the, you know, the apples below the low hanging fruit, as they say. So they already had a lock on the low hanging fruit. And so we were like, you know what, maybe we should start with Spokane start there, bigger city, more opportunities. We could actually have more than one location in Spokane. It's big enough. And so we transitioned over to the Spokane territory. I knew I would like to live over here, um, being that I went to Washington State. So I had come up through Spokane and Sandpoint and Silver quite a bit. And I knew, you know, I had a pretty good idea about the area and what it, what it offered. Um, so yeah, so we changed our franchise rights to be over in Spokane and we chose the South Hill, which was a genius decision, um, you know, but we just made the decision on, you know, demographics and psychographics. So, um, you know, just the data, the data that was there that would make the market um, successful. So, yeah, man. And, like, and so four years ago, the seed was planted. Um, three years ago, we started the process. Um, two years later, we finally opened. Uh, so I was just like, it took a long time. Obviously the pandemic didn't help, but once we decided on Spokane, it was still, it was still really tough finding a decent um, retail location where we're going to actually lease space and open our space. Um, it, Cause it, it really matters. Um, you know, location, location, location is a real thing. So, you know, yeah. we kind of yeah. patient and waited on, um, something that was going to be available pretty much exactly where we wanted to be. Um, I mean, we were, we were hoping and praying to get on that, that street that we're on right now that we're currently on East 29th. And so, or just 29th in general, we could have gone further West too and been fine. Um, but man, we lucked out big time with that. <laughs> we got a really good location. I mean, we were, we're pretty lucky and it's pretty good that we, we waited and we're patient. And then of course the pandemic happened and put a delay on everything, but yeah. So did you know that that location used to be a uh, Starbucks for years? For, for years. For years. Okay. So we have members who either that was their first job. That's where they went when they were in school, like whether it was high school or college, they would bebop up the hill and study at that Starbucks. Um, one of our members was a manager at that Starbucks. Um, 
So when we moved here, it was still Starbucks and they actually shut down, you know, they closed their doors just before the pandemic hit. And so they weren't really a casualty of the pandemic. They left just before everything happened. And so um, I think we got to go look at that space before it had even been posted as available. Um, we were actually looking down the street at a vacant lot and we were going to build from the ground up. Um, yeah. So we saved a lot of money, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Space. Yeah, I love that. We're location. A way better location. We're next to nothing yeah. but the gate. There's a grocery yeah. store around the corner. Like, I mean, it's, we got everything we need right there. <laughs> it's pretty great. You guys did yeah. really good. Um, well, I love that, you know, just through our natural conversation, um, a lot of the questions are getting answered. I love, I love how that, um, <laughs> good when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think you did really touch on this, but maybe you want to touch on it just a little bit more. Um, what about your background has really helped you, um, serve in, in this current industry? Yeah, I liked this question because, um, and you you alluded to it too. I mean, we, it's a huge mental health piece that we do in Cycle Bar. Um, you know, part of my practice when I was a mental health therapist was also I did personal training, and so it was a combination of the traditional, you know, face to face office therapy session um, in conjunction with movement. And um, I truly believe when you are in a crisis or when you have trauma, it is really hard to work through that crisis and that trauma. If you're stagnant, um, you cannot get your brain to move your thoughts to, um, really maneuver with and around your feelings. If I truly feel if you're not physically moving your body, um, I think, and it's not even just that I think it's been proven that movement and mental health go hand in hand. Um, you know, so um, did I ever think I was going to own an indoor cycling studio that had a mental health component to it? No, never did I ever think that that was going to happen. And that was part of the pull of cycle bar is, um, you know, my experience that I had as someone who worked at another studio and feeling that and knowing we were providing that for our members. But then when we got into the nitty grittiness of um, finding out information about the, biz uh, the business and the company as a whole, not only just at the local level where you see your studios, but at that corporate level, I'm not joking corporate, the office, the people that work for you and support you um, with the parent company, which is Exponential Fitness, they are as sing-songy and rainbows, unicorns as we are. Like, you would think that because it's it's that corporate, you know, I don't want to say mentality, there, it's, it, you know, they got, they got a, there's rules, there's procedures, there's brand things that you got to follow. Um, you would think it could get stuffy and too serious, but man, 
you go to the offices and you're doing your franchise training and then you go and you do the general manager training and you're learning the ins and outs of the business and how to operate it. And it is, you are fully supported. And um, it's like nobody really takes themselves too seriously at the corporate office, but they take their job very seriously and they take their um, connection with the studios very seriously. And they've got, like over 200 or 250 studios. And, you know, we talk weekly on the phone with our national sales director. We get on, you know, we have calls throughout the week with different, um, you know, with the marketing team one day, and then we'll have the president's call one day, and then you'll have the franchise owner call one day. Um, They've even created a group um, where it's just all franchise owners and none of corporate people are in that call. So it's a way for you to, you know, they've even set up a support system to where we could, you know, in a way it's us coming together to not only just mastermind and brainstorm to make each other better, but how we can turn to corporate and say, this is what's going on. This is what we feel needs to change. Can you guys do that from the corporate level? Um, And so like they created a support system for us to basically like almost like I'm going to say it, bitch and moan about what's not happening with corporate or what might be happening with corporate. And so like, and so we could come together in a safe space, have our representatives put something together and take it to corporate. And so we know that our needs are going to get met and, you know, we don't have to fear them and we don't have to fear, um, you know, them thinking that we're just being nitpicky or whatever. Um, you know, they really do a really bang up job of supporting us. Um, and so you just, it makes it easy to support your members when you are supported by corporate as an owner. So like they focus on supporting the owner so that the owner can then focus on their team so that the team can then focus on the members. Mm-hmm. And so when everybody is fully supported in that way, it makes it really easy to create an environment that's positive, happy, that all inclusive piece You know, we try to um, encourage our team to make decisions and not have to always come to me for answers. Like they know that if they just fix a problem or they work with the client or a member to make something right, they know that that's whatever they do, whatever action they do is going to be better than no action because they're too paralyzed for fear of doing it wrong. I'm like, you know, do whatever you need to do to help a client, to help a member, to help a new person in the door. If, you know, if it's not the right way to fix it, we'll fix it. But like, you know, in the moment, take care of them. Um, so you can't do that without support, you know, like you can't do that for your team. If you don't, you can't expect your team to do that with your members. If you're not supporting your team and decisions that they do, just because, you know, if it's not a way that they would do something, if it's not a way you would do something to fix something, that's fine as long as it got fixed. Right. And so you really kind of give them that, that you allow them to make those choices. And yeah. that, so. that leeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, I, and you definitely feel that vibe in that environment when you walk in. So I, I noticed that from the very beginning. And to me, that yeah. was, that was part of the, um, part of like immediately I felt like a part of the family of Psychoar like almost right away (laughs) almost right away so I noticed that right I I loved that but walk us through that very first client 
Um, I love, love, love this question. And maybe for you, you know, as the owner, you know, as the cycle bar owner, walk us just through that first client. How did it feel? Um, I mean, I guess you do really have already that background and that knowledge because you were instructing. So maybe it's, you know, even that first class that you taught, just kind of walk us through that process was, did you have a lot of fear? Was there a lot of like doubt in it? Or were you just like, I got this? Yeah, I remember um, before we opened and before we even started our pre-sale for our memberships, um, there was that fear of like, what if people don't think it's as cool as I think it is? Mm. <laughs> like, you know, what if, what if we start selling memberships and nobody buys? Um, what if we open and we don't hit our goal of, you know, um, every studio's goal that opens is to have minimum 300 members during pre-sale. Um, so I was like, what if we don't have 300 members by the time we open? Um, also what was going on at this point was we were just heading into COVID when this stuff, like the fear of, you know, it's going to happen soon you know, we're going to start selling memberships. And then before you know it, we're going to be open. But then we had this huge unknown of, um, you know, are we going to be able to open? When are we going to be able to open? What's going to happen? You know, when, you know, when there's like chitter chatter of the shutdowns coming, it was like, okay, well, what does that mean for me then? Because I'm supposed to start building out a business in May. And, you know, apparently the world's going to shut down. So, um, you know, so it was just this strange, so I had that fear and then COVID happened and then it became a little bit of, okay, are we going to be able to open period? Um, you know, we all had, we all didn't know what was going on. Luckily we were at a place where we hadn't started construction. We weren't open yet. It was one of those moments where I was very thankful that it took so long to find a location. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, you know, had we have found a location quickly, we would have been open by then. And then we would have had to deal with the shutdown after being open for not very long, for a very short amount of time. Um, it would have been a disaster. It would have been some studios in the franchise did have to deal with that. And it's, um, it was not easy to watch them handle that and watch them work with that. Um, and so we were actually in a really good place timeline wise, um, when the pandemic hit. Um, but then that fear changed to what's going to happen. When can we open? I'm going to have to start selling memberships and I might not have all the answers for when we're opening. Um, but then word really started getting out about cycle bar that we were coming to town. Um, I tell you what, I don't know how y'all found out we're coming, but, um, <laughs> like we hadn't even started marketing. Um, $0 were spent on marketing at this point. Mm -hmm. There was already a buzz happening. And I think what happened is there must've been, cause the spokesman review, the local paper does a really good job at their business section. And when new businesses are coming to town, they let, they write articles letting you know that they're coming. It's like, and it's not just like a blurb. It's like a full on article. 
And so that happened a couple times where we were in the spokesman review, but like I hadn't talked to anybody. Nobody interviewed me about us coming to town. It was just like, I think the first one that I noticed it was um, when we had signed our contract with our construction company. I, I think the city just gets, you know, they're, they're putting in all their permitting and stuff for that to, to, so that they can start building. They took over all that, by the way, which was amazing. Um, so they, they did that whole thing for us. And so I think the city then tells the paper and then the paper, it's like, I can't, it, I can't, I don't remember what the section is called, but it's like all the new businesses that are going to be coming to town. They do a little, little article on them. And so I think that's how a lot of people find, found out we're coming to town. Um, Cause I actually had one of my current instructors. She found me on Facebook. She found my personal Facebook and like, <laughs> I think she just found the cycle bar at the time it was cycle bar Spokane. I think I had that as like my cover photo. And so she found me and she was like, I want to work for you. How do I audition? And I was like, how did you, how did you find me now? She's one of my great friends. She's like one of my first friends that I met here in town. So I'm forever thankful for that. But like, it was just this weird, like, how did y'all know we were coming? And so before we even started our pre-sale and really started throwing money into the marketing machine for that, um, people knew we were coming and people were excited. And so right before we started the pre-sale, it went from, okay, is anybody going to like us? Okay. Are we ever going to open? Wow. People are excited for us. Maybe I shouldn't focus on that stuff and maybe let's just keep moving. Like we'll just focus on the forward stuff and think about what we're bringing to the community and how excited people are before we even like dipped our toe in the water I felt like you know what I mean like I knew we were coming and it was going to happen but like we we hadn't done anything to get our name out and so it's just so wild to me and so that's when that fear kind of turned into and then with the help of my friend who's an instructor like that's when that fear really turned into like oh wow like this is going to be this is a South Hill is a great location for us this is going to be big people want this. There's not a lot of offerings when it comes to boutique fitness on South Hill. We're going to create a splash. This is going to be a big deal. So then it turns into, so then your, then your worry just kind of transitions into the next thing, you know, the next step on the list. So, you know, you're overseeing construction, um, you know, you're making decisions on, you know, daily, things are changing daily, dates are changing daily. So you just try to focus on that and then you get to start hiring people. So the first people I hired were the instructors, which we call cycle stars. And so, you, you know, you put out the feelers for that. Again, there is such a huge buzz. We, we didn't spend any recruitment dollars that we had budgeted. Um, we just posted it on our social media. That's it. Um, I think I did a sponsored post. It wasn't a very good one. And, it didn't, and I think it was 10 bucks. Um, so it wasn't anything major by any means if it did anything fine whatever but um the buzz was there and so i had i think i had like 26 people audition for the first time um i started with 14 going into boot camp and then you kind of whittle it down from there but it was like wow i have a lot of studios finding their cycle stars is one of the toughest parts for them it was it was a breeze for us. And I, and I'm just like, where did, where did y'all come from? Like, how did you hear about us? 
we haven't we still haven't spent like any money on any of this yet like in terms of getting the the word out and so i just you know it's spokane it's like it's, it's, spokane. it's a big city with a small town problem right yeah. everybody knows each other everybody knows about each other and like um i think it was just that word of mouth that really did it but what the crazy part is it's the word of mouth without anybody knowing what we're really about you know, they just knew that we were an indoor cycling studio. That's all they knew. They didn't know, you know, the customer service that we have, the experience that we bring you in the theater, the audio visual system that we have, all those little touches that we do from, you know, your, your shoe rentals free. If you don't have bike shoes, we always have a pair for you. Um, you know, you walk in, you don't have a water bottle. Let me go get you one. You get to take it home. Don't worry about it. Oh, you have a water bottle? Well, let me go fill it up and I'll stick it on your bike for you. You know, like all those little touches, the, the chilled essential oil towels after class, like, you know, nobody knew about any of that stuff. And so um, when you, st when, so then when we got into the pre-sale process and actually selling memberships and we're telling people all this other stuff that we do and we provide, they, people just got excited all over again. And so then you're like, oh my gosh, like, so then you're excited and you're selling memberships and people are getting super excited. And then, and then you have the issue of, I don't know when we're going to open though. So then it went back to the whole, like, okay, I know we're going to make it through this now, but we don't have a grand opening date. Um, we don't know when it's going to happen. Um, so then you've got to help, you know, you got, and most people were privy to that. Like they understood the predicament we were in. Like nobody knew what was going on. Like, people didn't even know if their kids were going to go back to school. Right. So it's like, we all knew that we we're just in this weird position and weird situation. Um, and so I remember like to kind of go back to the first member, first client, first class, whatever. Um, my first member who signed up, she actually works at the front desk. Now she's our front desk um, team members are called CBXers, which stands for cycle bar experience. <laughs> and so she just got hired as a CBXer, but she was so into cycle bar because she went to the cycle bar in Coeur d'Alene and um, she was a member there before we opened. And in April, she was like, I want to sign up right now. How do I sign up? Let's do it. And I was like, I literally have no way to take your money. Like you're like throwing your credit card at me right now. And I, I don't have a point of sale system. <laughs> so like when that so in April when that's going on I'm like okay this is gonna be awesome this is gonna be amazing um so she's our first member and now she's a CBXer um she hit her hundred hundredth ride right before she started working for us um and then so I kind of fast forward to the first class um the first classes we did were those pop-up rides down at the M apartments downtown and um I just, I was so excited for my team, for my cycle stars. At that time, I only had cycle stars. I didn't have any front desk people hired because we didn't have, a, didn't have a studio, you know? So I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't hire all these people and then be like, okay, you're going to work for a couple weeks and now, and then like, and then we got to wait until we, you know, it was just like weird. So it was just the cycle stars working the CBX position while we're at a pop-up location and every and it just went as smooth as it could go. Like I can't imagine. I I'm like in shock how smooth it went. Um, um, it was super fulfilling. I remember that first class. It started at like seven or seven thirty a.m. on a Saturday. Um, it was Halloween. 
<laughs> I think, right? Because I think Halloween landed on a Saturday this year. And um, my cycle star was Sammy, who has a one, she's our lead instructor now. She has a really cool story um, about her becoming a, a, a cycling instructor. And so she taught the first pop up class, and she's wearing this like, you know, 1980s style, like leotard. She dressed up for Halloween. And I just remember that first class got going and I'm just looking at Sammy and I'm just like, how are people not going to fall in love with her? Like, (laughs) I was just like, I mean, she's amazing. She's incredible. This is her first class that she's ever taught. And she looks like a pro and she's taking care of people. Like she's been doing this her whole life. Um, Like to me, it didn't, it didn't feel like a pop-up. It felt like we were really in the studio um, and really giving people that experience and, um, cried like a baby that whole weekend, that Saturday and Sunday, like it just, we did like three, uh, we did like four or five classes each morning. I can't remember. Um, and we did it for two weeks. We had two weekends at the M apartments and all the classes were full. Um, the classes were free for members, $10 to drop, um, $10 for non-members, um, and just watching the, ins- my instructors just, I mean, they were thrown in a really crazy situation, a pop-up ride. You're not even in the theater it, for some of them. It was their first time teaching ever, um, you know, to somebody other than themselves when they're going through boot camp. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like they did it. Like they, they look like seasoned pros. They sound like seasoned pros. Like no one would have guessed that any of them, many of them, it was their first time teaching, Mm. Um, you know? And so that I, I like to think about that moment of how impressive they were and just how, um, you know, how you get to that moment where you, you know that everything's going to be fine. Like you've executed, even though it was just a pop-up ride, we executed it. We came together as a team. We're making it work. Um, You know, I feel like, I don't know if they really say this at the corporate offices with cycle bar and exponential, but it, it's a ready fire aim, (laughs) not ready aim fire. It's ready fire aim. Um, You know, you just dive in with full speed without knowing um, you know, they, they tell you what you need to do for, with that support that they give you. And you don't even have time to think about it. Like if you are, are if you're an overthinker, you're going to become a non overthinker real quick when you're going to open a, a business, um, especially a cycle bar business, because they just throw you in whether you're ready or not and just, just do it. And so it was kind of like thinking about that as you're watching your first few classes unfold, you're just like, yeah, we did it. We made it work. Like you just go full force into it. And, you know, maybe some of those things, those decisions and those steps that you're take that you took, they didn't make sense when they told you to take them, but like, it doesn't have to make sense for me. You know, I'm being led by a wonderful team who's supporting me. So then I can just say the same thing to my, my people and be like, yep, we're in a ready, ready fire aim situation. So, 
ready or not, we're coming, we're, we're starting, we're teaching, we're putting that microphone on your face and you're going to go teach class right now, you know? So, um, you know, you can't overthink it. You just go do it and you just, just do it, you know? So I, I love the, I love that ready, um, aim fire or ready ready, fire fire, aim. aim. Yeah. I think that will probably be the title of this podcast. I kind of like to (laughs) grab the title organically and I love that. I love that. Um, so what is your key motivation for doing this today? Cause I'm sure it's changed. And even, even maybe four years ago, ha- has that changed for you? How has that, um, kind of evolved or grown? I think the key motivation is still there. Um, and that's always been helping people with their mental health through movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to remind my team, especially now I'm, I'm hiring for the front desk position. Um, we have a lot of fun. We set the bar exceptionally high for ourselves and for um, what our members and what we each expect out of each other. Um, but I also remind them, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're an indoor cycling studio. Like we can't take ourselves that seriously. We're not that cool. Like we provide like we're a fitness studio like you know there's a there's a little bit of how cool is that as well that goes into it um I'll have to remind me I'll have to share with you what I say at the end of all my classes because it kind of goes in line with this um okay yeah that'll be great at the very end yeah yeah um but it's just like you know what it what it, it comes down to the fact that we are here to help people be better and whatever that be better means for them, that's for them to find out in the theater. Um, that's for them to find out, you know, what they're really made of. I, you know, I truly believe, um, you know, not only does the movement help our mental health, but if you can physically push yourself in the theater. So we call it where the room is, where all the bikes are. That's the theater. You know, if you were training our brains to adapt and overcome and to do things, even when it's challenging and uncomfortable or do things when we don't want to, you know, when we tell you to add more gear, we tell you to push faster. um, You know, we're really training our brains to, you know, when you're tired and you're being challenged and you're not sure if you're going to make it, your first instinct that your brain, your body and your brain is going to tell you is no, right? So when we say add more gear and people are like, oh, it's like, yeah, but like, give me a yes. Like that might be your natural instinct, but let's start training our brains to come from that yes mentality. You know, if I can say yes and push my body to do this thing physically, how can that translate outside of the theater in my day-to-day life when I'm faced with challenges mentally, emotionally, spiritually? And so how can I take that training I'm doing with my body and my brain to want to, you know, push back and retract to a challenge, but then I tell myself, yes, you can do this. Just try it. Just go for it. Just, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You take the gear back, you slow down, you know, like, um, whatever but like let's start training our brains to start imagining ourselves actually doing that thing that we're asking of you physically 
um, and just see what happens. Um, I haven't had anyone die in any of my cycle classes and I've been doing it 19 years now. So, you know, how can we, how can we translate that discipline and that grit and that ability to, even though our natural instinct might be no, you know, if it's something that we want to achieve and overcome, how can we get into that yes mentality? Um, I also say that championship mentality. Um, um, you know, when I, I, I like football. So in my brain, when I think about when my body physically doesn't want to do something, it doesn't want to add more gear, it doesn't want to do another sprint, it doesn't want to do any of that. I think, you know, imagine what like a receiver might feel like in the halfway through the fourth quarter, they're gassed. They don't want to sprint down the field, you know, another 20 yards or 10 yards. And, you know, it's tiring. It gets tiring after a while and your body wants to say no. And, but like, you know, that, that championship athlete, they give it their all every single time, um, you know, and they, you know, they're probably, you know, they might be saying to themselves, I'm tired, I'm tired, I can't do this. But then when it comes down to executing the play, you just got to say yes and go for it and just give it all that you have in that moment. Um, because once again, going back to it, just indoor cycling so like what do you got to lose you know like what's there what's there to lose not a whole lot but what is there to gain a whole little a whole lot of like mental strength yeah so um that's what I like to think about and try to help remember my members in class when they take my class like um you know not only is this good for you physically but like when when you don't want to push forward anymore what are you telling yourself now when you, you know, what are you telling yourself in class? What are the words you're telling yourself in class to get you through those challenging moments? And then can we take those same words and that same mentality and plug it into something externally outside of the theater that's going to help us grow in our life outside of what we're doing here? And so um, that's the most roundabout way to explain that. But um, those two mirror each other so beautifully because I've experienced that too, just in the short time, just seeing myself getting, pushing myself more in the cycle bar, but seeing how that's been relating to just day to day. It's like, oh, I remember I thought I couldn't do that, but I did it. And yeah. then, you know, like bringing that home with you and letting that, um, you know, walk through, walk with you through the day. And then, you know, I went hiking, um, uh, like four weeks ago and I actually could hike faster and do more. <laughs> and then I was like, this is because of cycle bar. Like, it just was so fun to know that, you know, my legs are getting stronger and, yeah. um, you know, I really, I, I always take Jill's class cause, of of the timing. Yeah. But I yeah. love that she told me, you know, she, she was, she always says, you know, use your legs, use your, they're strong. And so just showing how to use your legs correctly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like tapping into that strength there. I'm like, yeah, my legs yeah. are strong. I'm doing it. Yeah. I can do this. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah. And that, that just reminded me, I had a member yesterday. Um, she's a fly fisher woman. Her and her family are big fly fishers. And they were just on like a two or three week trip over in Montana, fly fishing, like hours a day or casting. Okay. And, um, you know, for the listeners who don't know, we have one 
in most of our formats, we have one arm song where we take about a 24 inch long body bar that's weighted. And so it's about, it's either four pound bar or a six pound bar. And so we do one song and I know it doesn't sound like a lot of weight. Four pounds isn't that much. Six pounds isn't that much, but you're doing a full three to four minute long song and you're, you're moving the bar to the beat at a fairly quick cadence. And so you're pushing, you're doing about 200 to 400 reps in that one song with a four pound bar or a six pound bar. So you're moving a ton of weight, like literally a ton of weight in that short amount of time. And so when you think of it that way, you know, four pounds moved 400 times, that's 1600 pounds of that you're moving, right? So I hope that math is right. Well, I'm not a math major. Um, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm like, should I get out my calculator? Well, like, that's a lot of weight that you're pushing. So that makes that four pound bar seem like, holy crap, that's a lot of weight, right? So she, so just that one arm song and she comes in twice a week. So she goes on this trip and she's with her family and she's got like, I think her kids are in their twenties and she's like, they're athletes, they're fit. They do their thing, whatever. And they were fishing for a few days. And one day one of her kids came up to her and was like, gosh, my arm is sore. Like, you know, like, I can't believe how sore I am. And she goes, well, what are you sore from? And, her, and, and it was either her daughter or her son. And they go, well, we're casting for like, we're floating down a river for like six hours a day. And we're casting for six hours a day. Like, what do you mean? What am I sore from? And she goes, oh my gosh, I think it's that one arm song in every single class. She's like, I don't feel sore. She's like, I'm 30 years older than my kids and I'm not sore and they're sore. And she's like, I swear to you, it's that arm song. And I'm like, yeah, it's got, it's that low weight, high reps. You know, your, your rod doesn't weigh a lot, but you're moving it a lot, right? You're doing that motion a lot. And I'm like, absolutely. That helped you with your casting. Are you kidding me? And she was like, it was just the coolest thing ever. And she was like, it's one of, it was one of those moments where you say, just, you know, where you guys remind us. So you guys as in the cycle stars remind us, um, you know, sometimes your, your numbers and your stats, won't, you can't PR every class, right? You can't get a personal record every class and they're going to ebb and flow with your mood and with your month and with what's going on in your life and how your body's feeling. So you can't expect PR numbers every time. Another side note for those who aren't familiar with cycle bar, you get your stats emailed to you after class. So you could track your progress. You could see how strong you get, um, how many miles you ride per class, et cetera. And it, it's really cool. Um, and so, yeah, she was like, it was one, a, a great example of just because I don't see the numbers moving doesn't mean I'm not getting any benefit. So just because I'm not seeing my average Watts increase or, um, you know, maybe they dipped for a week or my mileage isn't that high as it used to be. Um, you know, we, we see the benefits in other ways. And she saw it through her casting with, with her fishing, with her fly fishing. So, um, you know, I always like to remind my people in class, like just because your numbers may be stalled out, doesn't mean you're not improving. You know, maybe you stuck on the, you know, we're a rhythm based ride. So maybe you stuck on the beat a little bit better. Maybe when we did those elbow drops, you were able to stay on the beat the whole time. Um, did you stand? You know, I, I like to remind people when you stand out of the saddle 
at a 90 RPM. So that's pretty quick, right? That's a fast RPM. Like maybe you were able to stand at that faster RPM for 10 seconds longer, you know? So it's like, it's those little things um, that, you know, the numbers are cool to watch, but there's also other ways that you can improve and see the benefit and your improvement. So that's really fun to see too. Yeah, I love that. I love that side side benefit. Well, I have so loved our conversation today. My last question, I never let people prepare, you know, I, I like to do oh, told super, me. Yeah. <laughs> super spontaneous. So this is the Dream Big podcast, though. So my last question is, what is your big dream? What, and it could be small, it can be, what. It, it doesn't matter the size, just what's next? What are you focusing on next for your life? Um, I love this question so much. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we want to open more fitness studios. Um, like I said, Exponential has a lot of different brands underneath it. Um, you know, a, so Club Pilates is under that. Pure Bar is another well-known one. They're under the Exponential brand. And so um, we want to open more Exponential brands on the hill. Um, we want to move up north as well with a few. Um, we want to go out towards Richland and the Tri-Cities because um, that's blowing up and they need they need stuff like this out there. Um, so when it comes to professionally, that's what we have in mind. Um, that was always the goal um, to have multiple locations. COVID threw a wrench in that, but um, that won't be an excuse much longer. So that's good. So, <laughs> um, so we want to do that. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really have much control over this, this goal. Um, but I know that like, maybe it's not going to say then. My family wants to move over to Northern Idaho or Montana. They're all on the West side. And so um, I think I, I, I share that because my goal is to be able to see them more. I have a niece and a nephew. Um, they're eight and 11. Um, they're actually coming out this summer to look at houses because they're thinking about moving. So if they move, I don't have, uh, my husband and I don't have kids yet. So um, if they move out here, that means my parents will move out here to follow the grandkids. And oh, yeah. um, so I just, like I said, like, obviously that decision comes down to them, but I look, I don't know if it's a goal, but that's what I look forward to is being able to live closer to them, have them move out here and experience the Inland Empire. Like I said, it like husband and I love it here. We're kind of like, what took us so long? Why did we go to Bend? Like, there's a part of us that think like, why did we move to Central Oregon? Because it's so like for outdoor people, it's such a typical place for outdoor people to want to go. It's kind of um, overplayed. I don't know. But like a lot of, you know, a lot of people move to Bend and I'm like, well, I feel like Spokane is even cooler. Um, I feel like the outdoors are more accessible. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> you, know, you want to shout it from the rooftops how cool it is, but you're also just like, Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, but yeah, I look, um, I'm really excited. They're coming out this summer to go house hunting and see what's available and if it's feasible for them. And so I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to that, um, you know, that in the short term, but then the potential for the long term that it has for us to 
hang out as a family more um, and be in this cool area. Um, I don't know. I feel like I just kind of have kind of the same dreams as everybody. Like we, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little older. I'm almost to my forties. So, you know, if a family's in the cards for us, cool. If not, we'll adjust and overcome. Um, you know, we want, you know, husband and I want kids. Um, so we, you know, starting our family, you know, still in, you know, inspiring our kids to, to be involved in the things that we love that are outdoors based, the biking, the, we go paddle boarding with the dogs and just exposing them to that, that, though, that lifestyle and that stuff that we love. Um, and then I was talking, we, we have kind of a funny big dream, actually. Um, it makes me smile. Um, husband and I, he does have a name, but I just love calling him husband. <laughs> husband and I have a dream of opening a nonprofit for, um, for older dogs. And <laughs> so we're big dog lovers. And when we were, you know, um, we have two now when we were searching for dogs, we were, you know, we had a moment of like, should we, should we rescue an older dog? I know it doesn't give us a lot of time and we want a puppy, but should we rescue an older dog just so that they can live out a beautiful life, not in a shelter. Um, and so it kind of got the ideas going for us where, um, we want to open a nonprofit where we can have older dogs come and like live out the rest of their lives in not in a shelter, not in, um, a, you know, just to allow them to have a spectacular, like it's probably going to be the most boring and like boring in a sense of like old dogs are probably just going to sit around all day and do nothing and super sad because it's old dogs. So we all know what happens and like, um, but I just, we just have this dream of having land where we can have this big structure and we can have um, like tech school students come in. So vet techs come in and um, potentially get school credits. And so they can come in and volunteer and they can learn, um, you know, learn their job by coming in and volunteering. And, um, you know, like I even have it, I even have the name figured out and everything and it's pretty Cheesy. Oh, I love it. It's beautiful. It's I so want to have like an old dog shelter. It's like a, just a sanctuary for old dogs to come. Cause like when we were looking for dogs, you know, we did want a younger dog, you know, we wanted a dog that can grow with us. And it just broke my heart that we saw all these older dogs and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, are they ever going to get taken? And so I was like, you know what, maybe this is what we do. Maybe we allow this to happen and we could have a nonprofit and, Maybe it sounds crazy. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I just kind of picture like sitting in a field with all these old dogs just taking naps and. Aww. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold. Know. I'm gonna hold that vision know, for it's, you. It's such a weird dream. I'm like, where did this come from? I don't know. But I'm like, but what a beautiful place to do it. Like, right, we could move down to the Palouse and do it. We could go up north and do it. Like, there's so many amazing areas where it could be a possibility in the area, in the local area. And so I'm just like, oh, that would be amazing. And just, uh, volunteers come in and love on them and have a good, you know, a team that's working there too and taking care of them and um, just let them live their best life. Just let them live it out up in, up in some acreage somewhere. I don't know. So that's, that's so like sweet. a fun dream for us. <laughs> that for random. 
Did you expect that? One? I love, I love that. I love, it. and I'm a dog lover too. So I have yeah. my 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 ten year old pug. He's, he's I saw him walk by me. on the video. Yeah. I was like, ah, it took everything in my pen. So I just called him out, but it took everything in my power not to say it since we're audio only. And I just wanted to be like, puppy. Like I'm that person who's puppy when I see puppy. So oh my goodness. He, he likes your dream. He he really likes yeah, your dream too. I love so. it. I love it. Well, and then I just remembered um, how I end my classes. Yes. Um, yes. Go ahead and let us know. And then, you know, so, you know, just, I just think it's a wonderful blessing that, I mean, like, it's kind of weird and wild that people, people pay money to have a membership to ride a bike inside in a dark room and loud music and mood lighting and we get to come in together and do something wonderful physically, mentally, spiritually for ourselves. And so um, after stretching, the last stretch that I do with my team or with my members is we do a big inhale, reaching overhead, and then we bring our hands together. And um, I say, repeat after me. And I say, thank you, body, for blessing me with the ability to move today. And so I end mm -hmm. all my classes with that and, um, you know, just kind of sit there with that statement and let it sink in. And um, it's really cool when I open my eyes back up and I look around the room and everybody just has like this perma smile on their face. It's like, you know, you get to share that. How cool is that? Like that might've felt awful and you might've really pushed yourself, but like how amazing is that, that we get to come in and do that every day? Like pretty wild. I mean, yeah. cycling studio, like that's pretty cool. So <laughs> Yeah, I just I like to be reminded of that. Just how lucky we are to doesn't matter where you are, you got to move your body, you know. Yeah, and your body showed up for you. So that's, uh -huh. yeah, that's, that's a blessing in itself. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Jenny. This has been so much fun. Yeah, um, so much. I've loved I've loved this. And I, you know, just really hope that we've inspired other people out people out there to really, um, you know, if you want to start something new, it takes time, but it, it really is possible for you. And so I always like to end my podcast with, um, and if you want to say anything to close, go feel free. Or if I love that ending for your class, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, I think, I think I'm pretty good. I don't know. I got, I think I said okay. Well, I just like to end. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to dream big and pray bigger because our world really needs you. Yes. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right.